I'm Robin Amler, and I'm joined by Richard Hummel, Threat Research Manager at NetScout's Arbor Networks. Now, figures show us that DDoS attacks hit a record in 2020, more than 10 million. Sounds to me like extortion is the business to have been in during the pandemic. That's one way of putting it for sure, though I I will say that extortion isn't the only driver behind this massive increase in numbers. While we saw this, you know, global DDoS extortion campaign, we also saw an unprecedented number of people going online in their day-to-day business, whether it's remote or for remote work and schooling, because the pandemic forced us to work out of our homes. Well, it's the going online that did it, I suppose. Absolutely. There was a bank robber who's, who, when asked why he robbed banks, said that's where the money is. <laughs> online is where the people have been. Absolutely. And that's the thing with most cyber criminals, especially the ones that are focused on monetary gain, is they go where the money is, they go where the people are. And if there's an opportunity that expands, they will absolutely take advantage of that opportunity. And that's what we've seen in light of the pandemic. Well, let's get into some of the detail. What are the attack vectors and who is being targeted? Has it been a growth in target, targeting individuals or a growth in targeting corporates or both? So let's talk, let's talk about that part first, and then I'll get into the vectors. The first one is when we first started looking at this in mid-March timeframe, right around when the pandemic was announced, we saw this huge uptick. And if you actually look at the second half of 2020 versus 2019, you'll see it's a 22% growth of total attack count versus 20% for the, the whole year. And when we started looking at the organizations targeted, I found that it wasn't your usual culprits. At first, I thought telecommunications, right? Your wired telecoms, your broadband, your wireless, those are going to see increased attacks. Well, in the first part of 2020, we actually saw a decrease. It was like a 17% decrease targeting telecom. So to my mind, I was like, well, where are all these extra attacks going? Because we're seeing more than ever before. And it turns out that there are more organizations and industries that have been targeted by DDoS than we've ever seen before. And so because you had the pandemic forcing all of these businesses to go online and remote, maybe they're using VPNs, maybe they're using different ways of communicating. Now they're exposed to DDoS attacks where they haven't been in the past. And so what we've seen is that there's just a general widespread nature of DDoS attacks that are just targeting more people, which results in kind of a floating tides mentality. And now you have all these additional attacks out there. We've talked so far about DDoS or DDoS. What developments have you seen in the use of malware? So the main thing that I've seen with malware is that we've seen uh, an increase in the number of samples that are circulating around in the wild. So most of what we focus on here is DDoS-related things. So I'm looking at IoT bots and things like Mirai, Satori, Gafkit, maybe various other Linux type of malware. And what we've seen is that when the pandemic started, we saw a huge uptick. Actually, if you look at the scale and you look at the number of malware samples for, for Mirai and Satori and Gafkit, right in March timeframe, they doubled or even tripled in the number of samples we were seeing in the wild. Because what, you're, what you had happen is you had all of the remote workforce, all of those that are at schools, maybe when they were working in person or they were going to school in person, they were sitting behind enterprise-grade firewalls in the castle, so to speak. Well, when the pandemic happened, now you're outside the castle. You don't have those enterprise-related defense mechanisms in place. Instead, you're sitting behind your home routers, which we know are fairly vulnerable to either brute forcing or exploitation. And so it's much easier for adversaries to get access to these. 
And we, in conjunction with the number of samples circulating in the wild, we saw a nearly 50% increase in just brute forcing attempts against home-based devices. And so adversaries realized what happened and they went after that hard. One of the things that concerns me from where I'm sitting, looking at how in particular banks, financial institutions are moving online onto the cloud, moving their services online that is, how vulnerable is the cloud? Because if the cloud goes or if a cloud service goes, then I lose all my business if I'm cloud-based. You know, it's funny because I hear this question come up a lot. And a lot of people assume that, oh, it's in the cloud, it's not secure. But the reality is, is we've been doing the cloud for a long time. And so to, in, in my opinion, there's just as many protections you can put in place for cloud-based things as you can for on-prem. Now, the one difference is that you can't take the cloud offline, right? So, I mean, if you were really faced with uh, extraneous threat, you could just say, we're going to go offline, and then now they can't get to your stuff, right? You can't necessarily do that with the cloud, per se, because, it, I mean, by nature of the cloud, you're online. So, in that regard, it's it might be perceived as a little bit more vulnerable because of that. Um, but the reality is, is, is we operate uh, DDoS protection mitigation services in the cloud as well. Uh, we have Arbor Cloud that, you know, you can have an on-prem device, and if you wanted to, you could move all of the scrubbing for that DDoS attacks to the cloud. So there's, there's plenty of protections mitigations in place for cloud just as much as on-prem. The same holds true for both though. One solution isn't going to protect you from everything. You have to practice defense in depth or a layered approach. So you need to be considering, are there other vendors I can go with? Is there other security feeds that I can include? And you want to layer that. You don't want to just say, I'm going to trust this organization is going to take care of me for everything. I don't have to worry about anything else. That is absolutely not true. And so you want to make sure that you're layering that and you have a really good security posture and you're testing that. You want to actually game that up, figure out if somebody attacked me, what would happen? Am I prepared for that? What about developments in things like AI? Is it possible for an organization to plug in an, an AI solution that can be that agile for you? Is that part of the layering? I definitely know that a lot of organizations, us included, are looking at machine learning and various kind of uh, AI type solutions. Um, I believe in our upcoming Engage, which is starting in a couple of weeks, um, there's actually a couple of sessions where we talk about ML and machine learning and how we can apply that to attacks that we see and how that can help you with mitigations, protections. And, and we're not the only ones. A lot of players in this space, whether it's DDoS or other types of threats, are playing in similar spaces. In fact, my background, I actually come from FireEye. And before I left, we had hired an entire ML team specifically to look at how you apply machine learning to these types of threats and how you can mitigate those automatically. And as things morph and develop, can ML keep up with that? And so there's definitely application that can be applied there. Well, this is obviously a, a moving target. It's not something that, as you say, is one and done. You have to lay your defenses. Is there something that can be done more proactively to mitigate against these attacks? Absolutely. I think that the biggest key here, really for any threat that you can face, is preparation and understanding what threats exist out there. Uh, I think security awareness goes a really, really long way to mitigating these threats. If an organization has a very good security awareness campaign, they can start to recognize what social engineering looks like. They can start to recognize the spam email that comes in and try to compromise you. And so you can start to understand how an adversary thinks and how they're trying to get in. And that goes a really, really long way. Um, as part of my, my master's degree, I was did a dissertation on what it looks like as far as the weakest link of an enterprise or an organization. 
And the weakest link, let's face it, is the human, right? Because you can layer all of these automated systems in place. You can have machines that are doing a lot of the complex stuff, but all it takes is one person to click on one email, to click on one link, and all of a sudden, the adversary has access to your entire organization. And sometimes there's there's no machine that can prevent that from happening, right? That's that's a human understanding that somebody is trying to social engineer me to get into the system. And so that's really it, is, is awareness and being prepared to handle these things is going to go probably the, the longest and you're going to get the most mileage out of handling these threats. At the end of the day, it's the human being that and the human issue that has to be addressed probably first. For certain types of threats, yes, I will say. Now, if, if you're talking about the human element when it comes to DDoS attacks, like let's face it, any one person isn't going to be able to stalwartly stand on an internet pipe somewhere and say, we're not going to you know, allow you to have DDoS attacks. I think the phrase you're looking for is, you shall not pass. <laughs> yes, in the famous words of Gandalf. Uh, no, so the reality is, is like for some from some aspects of an adversary getting in, uh, the human element obviously is something you want to focus on. And in terms of DDoS attacks, what we've seen, even for like the the massive DDoS extortion campaigns that we've been seeing go around, if an organization is adequately prepared, in other words, they have some form of protection mitigations in place with DDoS, they have been very very little impact on their uh, operations and their business. We've had a number of customers get hit by the Lazarus Barramada group that we've blogged about several times. And as far as I understand it, not a single one of our customers or people we've worked with have paid their extortion demand or have been severely impacted. Now, there are other organizations that the LBA crew uh, actually pouts. They say, hey, look, New Zealand Stock Exchange, we took it down for four days. Look at us, right? We're going to do this to you as well. Well, the reality is, is they weren't prepared to handle DDoS attacks. And there's plenty of articles out there. In fact, their upstream ISP and even themselves have come out and said, yeah, we weren't adequately prepared to handle this. We understand now that you know attacks can come at us and now we're going to prepare. And so in the future, they may not have any issues. And that's really with DDoS, preparation is key. If you are prepared to handle it, you've maybe you've gamed it out. A lot of our big customers or enterprises or ISPs, they do red teaming exercises and they actually DDoS themselves to see if their solutions can handle it. Um, and so they're doing all of this active preparation to handle these kinds of, kinds of attacks. Well, I'm going to put it in terms of banks just to round up. As a bank, if I'm a brick and, brick and mortar bank, then I've got security. I've got bars on the window. I've got a security alarm attached to a police station. I've got shutters that bang down that can take a bullet. These people are now playing in a different world. They're playing in an online world. They have to get to grips with how that world works. Right. And, and just putting a, a solid door on your bank isn't enough, right? Right. No, you're also going to want to bar the windows. You're going to have a steel vault. You're going to have security place. This is the layered approach, right? You have to have multiple obstacles for an adversary to get in because as a defender, you have to plug every single possible hole in your network. As an adversary, I only have to penetrate one of those. And so it's much easier for an adversary to start poking holes. It's a lot harder for a defender to go and figure out what is my entire uh, network footprint that I have to mitigate. Uh, and that is a very tough job. And I will say that, you know, security experts are getting much, much better at this. And even in spite of the 10 million plus DDoS attacks that we saw, the ISPs out there that are handling the, the bulk and the brunt of these attacks have been just champions. And in tons and tons of extra traffic we've seen on the internet, and they've been doing a great job of mitigating these because they are prepared and because they have protections in place. Richard Hummel, Threat Research Manager, NetScout's Arbor Networks. Thank you very much.